are not not allowable expenses. So it has to be something that has been since March 3rd of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and it can't be for anything that's gonna contravene the act or something that would go against trying to prevent COVID um, or any of the mitigation factors. Did I miss any, Katie? Uh, well, we're just getting a, a ton of questions on just specifics of sure. you know, what we can spend it so on. Let's hit a couple more and then we'll, we'll continue on and, and we will pick up where we left off. But if you have a couple you want to throw out right now, we'll take a couple more and then we'll... we'll sure, let's go with... Um, emergency response so police and sure. fire and uh, maybe touch on that 501c3 that previously okay. used to be sure. in. uh first of all the, with these funds you can purchase vehicles so again any allowable expense so police vehicle yes fire truck yes uh ambulance yes um vehicles to take care of the roads yes uh any of those if you're using this, and, and again, you don't have to have any actual expenses or document any actual expenses. They are giving everyone the benefit of the doubt for administrative purposes and making the assumption that you do have uh, either lost revenues or increased expenses one way or the other with this category. So again, every township has the option of taking advantage of this uh, category up to the total amount of their award. Um, so yeah, and any, anything within that public safety factor, so if it was equipment, training, payroll for, for uh, police officers, um, any other, any other, again, uh, valid expense. If you're able to purchase this normally, it, it, the term they use is any service traditionally provided by a government. So if it's something you can purchase and you know you can purchase it um, with normal funds, you general funds if you can purchase it with general funds um accepted those restricted items we just talked about again the debt pensions um previous expenses they are eligible under this program are there any other categories or should we finish up the section and move along um just a quick one that might be helpful mm -hmm. um since this is a one-time election to use under lost revenue and since the money got distributed under two tranches um, should they be waiting to make this election until they get the second half? Or should we wait until the reporting to get to this part? You, you, will, you will make this election uh, when you do your reporting for the, the first report. That would be an option and that will apply um, across, again, for the life of the program once you make that election. Um, you, and I should point out now, I don't think I emphasize this, you do still have the option to use the formula and calculate your losses. Um, if you would choose to do that. However, if you report it that way, that you're not taking this and instead reporting um, that you calculated the losses, there's going to be, you're gonna have to support your losses and then you're locked in and would not be able to use this. So we emphasize that when you go to do your reports and the reports, I don't expect the reports to be available until March uh, or sorry, actually April, um, they're not due till April 30th, this, that look for this section to make this, uh, op to choose this option and make this election, um, but just keep in mind. So even if, if you had calculated losses, I'm getting my, ahead of myself a little bit here, but if you calculated losses uh, for 2020 
and had used those losses, built those into your budget, that, that's fine. Um, however, we're going to recommend that when you go to report that basically you do not report how you, that you calculated them and said, you're going to report, we're going to, we're going to choose this election otherwise. So it applies to all of our funds and then you will not have to show any type of calculations. So that, that is, that is going to be one of your options. And I think a very important option. Uh, to ensure the flexibility for those funds. All right, anything else or should I move ahead to the next, get through these next uh, slide or two? I think we can keep moving on. I, I guess okay. one, one, uh, one fun one. How about snow plows since it's snowing out? Yep, snow plows, um, people who, <laughs> snow plow drivers, um, salt, uh, anything you would need to help take care of, of, of the roads. So I, Mention this a little bit. Will we need to track how the lost revenues are spent? Yes, you, you are going to need to keep track of that. Um, it is not going to be, from, from everything we've seen in the reporting guidance, it's not going to be uh, to, to the level you would need if you were using one of the other categories. But you do need to keep track of how much you spent for what type of, um, of expense. Uh, even looking through it, it right now, it looks like all you will do is do a narrative and just describe how much you spend for what type of purposes. Um, so that it really, and again, as I mentioned, if you have this in a separate account and just keep track as you're spending from that separate account, that's one way to do it. Uh, again, you can do this through your accounting, uh, good accounting practices as well. Um, I already got ahead of myself with what have we already calculated lost revenues for 2020 and spent them. Not a problem. Just when you go to report again uh, in in April for your first report, don't show your work. Instead, you, you will have two options. I recommend take the standard allowance. It, uh, it will give you greater flexibility because, again, if you choose to say, Oh, here's how I calculated my revenues, and I want to show how I calculated my revenues. Uh, you're gonna have, then you're locked in, and you, you will have to calculate them. You, you won't be able to take the standard allowance at that point. Um, another good question is, what, what if we spent funds for another category during 2020 uh, or 2021? <laughs> I shouldn't say during 2020. Uh, this would be since since you received the funds. So ignore that 2020 on there. Should be since you received the funds. Um, again, not a problem since, since really any expenses under any of the other categories are going to fit under this lost revenues, general government, uh, reasons, um, we would suggest that you consider simply reporting that expense under this category by taking that standard election and then, um, including your reporting for how you spent those funds under this lost revenues category. You don't have to, if you want to go with the other categories, you certainly can. Um, and we'll talk about those in a few minutes, but uh, it will simplify your reporting. And again, Treasury has been emphasizing this in all their written materials, as well as the presentations that they have done, uh, that, that you can certainly, again, use the funds in this category for an almost unlimited amount of expenses for those restricted items that we talked about earlier. So with that, I think, unless you see, Katie, any other major questions we should talk about now, 
Um, how about, um, sure. I guess it's, yeah, just general, a lot of general <laughs> questions about what you could spend it on. Um, could you give that money to your water authority? You could. You could either spend for something uh, directly for the water authority, um, but since you can use general funds and, and give them to the water authority, you could certainly do that in this case. I'd probably be specific about what it was for, um, but you could do that under this category, or generally you can also do that under the water sewer uh, category as well. It's just, if you do it under this category, it's going to have, at least from what they've described, the, the reporting process and administration process will be simplified. How about payroll? I guess that, that maybe that can be our last one. <laughs> sure, payroll, absolutely. Again, you, whether it's for general administrative payroll, road workers, public safety workers, um, yes, payroll can be included in this category. All right, let's, we're gonna move ahead. We did wanna talk a little bit about the other um, categories because there are some changes and, and the other categories were made more flexible as well. Uh, and for that, I'm gonna turn that over to Katie and let her walk you through those pieces. Sounds good. All right, well, like Leah just said, um, these other categories, there are other eligible use options. Um, you might notice a theme throughout that a lot of these uh, expenditures that you can use uh, that um, under these categories are things that you can spend general funds on normally. So you might be better off just reporting these under your uh, lost revenue under that standard allowance. But we did wanna still go through because there were some changes that could be of interest to everybody. So uh, first off, the responding to the public health and economic impacts of COVID-19 still an eligible use option. Um, within this category, it's basically focused on the types of assistance that uh, you could be providing uh, as a response to COVID-19 or the negative ec economic impacts that uh, we've experienced because of COVID-19. The biggest things to keep in mind are considering whether and how the use of funds would actually respond to the public health emergency um, or the negative economic impacts experienced from COVID. Um, so first would be identifying an impact to a specific household, to a business, to a nonprofit, um, and then designing a response to that um, problem, basically. Uh, that response could be a program, it could be a service, uh, it can also be a capital expenditure. Uh, that's one of the changes and expansions that uh, Treasury has made on, on uh, this category. Capital expenditures were uh, elaborated on. Um, long story short, if you're using this eligible use option, and if your project has a capital expenditure of less than a million dollars, there will be no written uh, justification required. If your capital expenditure under this option specifically is more than a million dollars, but less than 10, you would need to justify it uh, through a, a written justification. Um, yeah. Um, some of those capital expenditures that they have elaborated on that could be possibilities would be things like a job and workforce training center, um, parks and recreation facility improvements. I know I got a lot of questions over the past couple of months about adding 
like let's say bathroom facilities to your parks, that would be something that that would fall under this category specifically. Um, also tech infrastructure to adapt the, to the pandemic, like uh, video conferencing software, that would also be a capital expenditure under this. If you want to go to the next slide, we'll get into some of the specifics that uh, re regarding the response to the COVID-19 public health emergency. Um, some of these possibilities include, uh, and these were things that were in the interim final rule as well, um, public communication efforts, purchases of, of, of PPE or other protective supplies, ventilation system, insulation or improvements. Um, this is also where that paid leave for employees to enable compliance with COVID-19 uh, came into play as well. If you wanted to come, off with a, come up with a time off policy uh, for any of your employees who are out uh, because of COVID. So all of these things are still permitted under this um, eligible use option. Um, and, and again, can, you can still kind of see it where a lot of these uh, categories can also be covered under that lost revenue if you're just spending general funds on it. If you want to go to the next slide. As I said, the other possibility under this eligible use is a response to the negative economic impacts of COVID-19. Uh, Treasury has acknowledged that beyond just the public health portion of it, that a lot of uh, basically the whole country has experienced a lot of other uh, negative impacts, specifically when it comes to um, things like unemployment, decline in, in revenues for businesses. So that's also being covered under this eligible use option. The biggest thing to keep in mind is that whatever uh, response is being taken on needs to address that economic harm ca caused by COVID and it needs to specifically meet that amount under this category. So you can't be giving um, any kind of aid or assistance to households or businesses or nonprofits that did not experience a negative economic impact under this eligible use option. If you want to go to the next slide, we'll kind of elaborate a little bit more on this as well. Um, some examples of, of, of the permitted uses under here would be assistance to unemployed workers and households. Um, Treasury has said that you can just presume that if there was a negative economic impact to these uh, individuals, it, that yes, they're going to presume that it was caused by COVID. Um, this assistance could include uh, cash assistance, uh, benefits for surviving family members, uh, for anybody who had passed away because of COVID. Um, there's also loans, grants, or assistance to small businesses or nonprofits. Uh, and this is another section I'm going to kind of tie back into that lost revenue again. Uh, under this category, you can only provide, let's say, loans or grants or other in-kind assistance to, let's say, a volunteer fire company uh, that is a 501c3 nonprofit and they have to prove that they actually experienced some kind of a, a um, financial impact, like a, a loss. If you choose instead to be looking under that lost revenue category, you're not going to be under those same restrictions. So if you happen to have a fire company that is not designated as a 501c3, um, or maybe they can't prove that they had specific losses, you could still provide a donation, or as we said, you could buy, um, you could uh, purchase a fire truck um, without having to be under these these specific restrictions that are under the public health and economic impacts of COVID. Um, but like I said, this is still an option. 
uh, under here as well. Um, they've also expanded that nonprofit section to include 501c19 corporations. Those are uh, typically veteran organizations uh, to align, align this uh, act more with the CARES Act. Um, lastly, without belaboring this one on too, too much longer, uh, you could also use these funds to rehire staff, uh, specifically with, within uh, government employment. Um, one, you can use it to rehire staff for positions that previously existed and had to be cut because of, of COVID. Um, or you can also um, utilize these funds to provide worker retention incentives, including uh, reasonable increases in compensation uh, or maintain your just current compensation to, to prevent having to, to lay people off. And uh, the biggest thing to keep in mind is that th this response needs to be reasonably proportional. Um, so just to keep that in mind as you are uh, going through this avenue. If you want to go to the next slide, we'll move on to some of these other permitted uses. And it's going to keep going back to that lost revenue uh, for most of them. But uh, infrastructure is still an option within uh, the final rule. Uh, again, it, it, they're continuing to allow this pretty broad latitude to identify uh, water and sewer investments, um, aligning the rules of the American Rescue Plan Act with the Environmental Protection Agency's Clean Water State Revolving Fund and their Drinking Water State Revolving Fund. Some of those uh, possible uses under those uh, acts would include things like construction of publicly owned treatment works, um, water conservation, uh, as you see, in, improving resiliency to severe weather events, um, green infrastructure, like having green streets or green roofs, um, efforts to protect uh, water bodies and, and improve drinking water systems. Um, a lot of these, there's a ton of, of eligible use options under those two funds, which this is continuing to, to align itself with. If you want to go to the next slide, what's pretty cool is um, the final rule has expanded this category if you choose to use this one for uh, a lot of these water projects. Um, specifically, they've added a, a broader set of, of lead remediation projects, um, including faucets and fixtures. Um, they're also allowing for uh, these funds to be used for testing efforts or um, efforts if, if you do find out that something is contaminated to, to, to fix that as well. They've also expanded the stormwater infrastructure. Um, previously, you had to prove that there was going to be a water quality benefit if you were doing a um, culvert or, or stormwater type of um, project. Uh, the final rule now under this category specifically uh, has, has uh, eliminated that uh, specific requirement, which is great. Um, again, I'll kind of tie this back though to the uh, lost revenue. You certainly could do a stormwater project just using that lost revenue category. Um, as much as it is great that they have expanded these categories, you certainly don't have to um, separate these projects out and use the uh, water infrastructure category unless you want to. Um, yeah, so we'll move on to the, the next portion of the infrastructure is the broadband category. Um, a few changes have happened to this category in the final rule, not very much. Uh, the, the design of, of, of this um, section is still 
intending to have projects that can allow for um, broadband that, that can meet those upload and download speeds of 100 megabits per second. Uh, if those speeds aren't practicable in certain areas because of, let's say, geography or cost, um, they have allowed that option that as long as you can meet that 100 megabits per second download and the 20 megabits per second upload with the ability for it to be scalable up to 100 for both, um, that is still an option. And the focus is still to try to provide broadband um, service to these unserved and underserved areas. Um, and, and they are encouraging recipients to prioritize investments in fiber optic infrastructure where, where possible and also to prioritize those last mile connections to, to wrap up um, some projects where possible. If you go to the next slide, this is the one big change that has happened within the broadband section. The final rule has added this affordability requirement for broadband infrastructure. Recipients do now need to require that the service provider, if they are providing service to uh, households, they need to either participate in the FCC's affordable connectivity program or provide access to a similar affordability program for low-income consumers. Um, so that's the, the biggest addition to, to this section is, is adding that affordability requirement. Um, we're still encouraging um, everybody here to uh, if, if you do want to do one of these broadband projects, we're still encouraging uh, to think about doing these regionally, um, partnering with, with, with other, uh, other organizations, other townships, you know, the county. Um, I think that would probably be your uh, best bet if you wanted to go into the broadband route. Uh, the last category we'll go into is going to be premium pay. This is still an option. There have been a, a couple tweaks to this as well, um, but it's still covering the same uh, uh, general provisions that were within the interim final rule. Um, as you may remember, premium pay can be awarded to eligible workers uh, performing uh, essential work. Um, up to $13 per hour, it cannot exceed uh, $25,000 per worker. It needs to be in addition to their regular wages, um, and you would pay that through payroll. Um, so basically, there's two main things that you have to do for this. First would be to identify an eligible worker, and that would be someone who uh, was needed to maintain continuity of operations of essential critical infrastructure sectors. Um, so that would be state or local government workforce. Uh, something to keep in mind would be uh, that would be related to all of you, um, township employees, anybody whose wages are set by law would not be eligible for premium pay because I know I got that question a lot. You know, if you were a supervisor who obviously your, your wages are set within the township code, you would not be eligible for premium pay. Um, if you happen to have an employee position, uh, that could be an option. Um, like I said, it has, it's up to $13 per hour, capped at that $25,000. Um, they need to be performing essential work, which Treasury has defined as um, in-person work, so anybody who was teleworking from home would not be eligible, um, and it, it would involve either in-person interactions with the public or co-workers uh, and or regular physical handling of items that are handled by uh, or, or are meant to be handled by the public or other co-workers. 
If you go to the next slide, this is uh, one of the changes that they've um, added is, is within this section. Um, biggest thing to keep in mind is it really is meant to be, uh, Treasury has intended for it to uh, be addressing people whose risks are, are heightened by being physically present uh, at their work locations um, and, and thus are, are more at risk to, to catch COVID and then you have all these costs associated with that. Um, Treasury also asked that you prioritize lower paid eligible workers. Um, specifically, they've put in those caps um, that the eligible worker cannot receive with the premium pay included um, more than 150% of their residing state or county's annual wage for all occupations, whichever one is higher. It can't be um, increasing that uh, to that level. Um, Something that's interesting that they did add is that um, the eligible worker also uh, shouldn't be exempt from the Fair Labor S uh, Standards Act overtime provisions. Um, if they don't meet the, both of those standards, you need to provide more of a justification as to why you would be choosing to, to give premium pay to this individual, uh, how they're, how they're at, at a higher risk. Uh, you have a lot more uh, of a burden to be proving why you were making that choice. Um, this is one of the instances too where there is a um, difference on the restricted uses just specifically for this option. Um, payroll uh, contributions to pension funds are included within uh, the premium pay, uh, whereas you can't just normally deposit funds into a pension fund normally. Um, yeah, and again, and even this one kind of does ultimately tie back into that uh, lost revenue category because again you can be using um, your lost revenue uh, categories um, for like I had mentioned uh, worker retention essentially um, so you could also keep that in mind. Uh, the last portion that I'll talk on um, is going to be just transfers uh, if you want to or do we want to like pause for a second? Okay, cool. Uh, the next slide is just just one last thing about uh, just transferring funds, uh, just to keep this in mind. This is not an eligible use category. We've covered them all. Um, transfers, uh, you can certainly transfer funds to other governmental entities, including municipal authorities or nonprofits, uh, small businesses, etc. Um, something to keep in mind is that any usage by those uh, additional parties still need to comply with the American Rescue Plan Act, but the responsibility would still be on, on you, the recipient, to ensure that they are complying. So just something to keep in mind uh, if you do choose to transfer funds to another entity to um, perform a service or project on your behalf. And from there, <laughs> we'll move on. And I'm going to jump in back in here and, and end up talking just for a minute about reporting, but just to emphasize what, what Katie talked about as well, um, if, if you're, you were looking at an expense or you use the funds uh, over the past few months for one of the other allowable expenses, again, whether it's premium pay, whether it's a, a, a culvert project, a stormwater project under water and sewer category, you, you could choose to report it under that category, or you could choose to take the standard election, uh, sorry, the standard allowance, um, and you would be able to report it under that category. So let, let's talk more specifically about reporting. Um, all, uh, all of our townships, uh, the largest 
to our small list, we'll need to do one report a year. It will be due April 30th of this year uh, for the first report, and that will cover from technically from March 3rd uh, of last year until March 31st of 2022. However, since you didn't have your money uh, until much later than that, it technically it covers from when you got your money uh, until then. And you'll need to do a report each year. 